Hey, great that you've joined us here today uh, at City Point Church Redcliffe online, and uh, we pray that this message um, blesses you immensely. Uh, if you like, uh, please subscribe and like, and uh, share it with your friends. But today, uh, we just pray that this will bless you, and uh, it will bless your life in every single way. Are we doing good? Good to see you. I think this third week of January. Does anyone feel like it's March already? It's like, oh my gosh, slow down, slow down. Ah. It's good to be here at Redcliffe, and I want to honour Pastor Sam and Kay and the whole team. It's going to be a good, good year, and um, it's been amazing already. Like, when you walk into church, when you hear the songs that are sung, and uh, Jason, like, that's like the best preach I've ever heard. I'm like, oh, let's rework my message sort of thing. And, uh, and then Pastor Sanders backs it up with trust, help my unbelief. Like the, Every moment in the house of God is significant and valuable, really. And it's a matter of just attuning ourselves, just to hear what God actually wants to say to us. There's probably one's here today, it's like God's spoken to you in so many more different ways than what he's spoken to me. And I think that's what I love about when we come into the house of God. And so my honor to be able to preach and to share uh, with you. Uh, I love the overarching theme of our church, our 10 locations this year is the, that word pursuit. And uh, I know that this year is that we're going to pursue many things. Uh, but I would ask of each and every one of us is that we pursue the, the right thing, the right person. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It, it, would you and I allow that to be our seeking, our pursuing uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and then it goes on and says, and then God will add all of these things. If you just read the preceding verses of Matthew chapter 6, the things that we worry about day in, day out, what are we going to eat, and what are we going to drink, and what are we going to wear, is that when you and I seek first the kingdom, when we pursue the things of God, is that then God will add things to our lives, and I know what he adds to our lives is, is incredible. And so this morning I want to share around a passage of scripture, we're going to camp here for the time we have together in Luke chapter 2. Um, but this account, this fascinating story, is bookended by, by two, uh, two verses that I don't necessarily just want to speak today or, or talk about, but I actually want to prophesy into your life. And we have pick up this story in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. It says these words, And the child, speaking of Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The favor of God was upon him. We, these are the first words we hear about Jesus since he was an infant, potentially like 10 years later on, as we hear these first words about him, is that he grew, he increased in spirit and wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Then we flick over to Luke 2 and verse 52, and it says these words, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God, and favor with mankind. This is the, the last verse that we'll actually hear about Jesus until he now enters into ministry some 18 years later. And so this book end of this story is, a, is, is bookended by increase. And this morning I want to prophesy over your life the increase of God in 2022. And the way that you and I would experience the increase of God is by pursuing him having our hearts wholly devoted to him and having our eyes so firmly fixed upon him because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this morning I am prophesying the increase of wisdom over your life. You'd have an increase in stature, just not in height, but in character. And you would see the, the hand, the favor, the grace of God uh, over your life. 
and as you walk out of this building and through your streets and through your workplaces, your universities and schools, that you would see the favor of man. So let's pick up the story that falls between these passages of increase. Verse 41 of Luke chapter 2, it says this, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years of age, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. But when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And Jesus said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement that he spoke about. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and favor with man. A fascinating account, a story. It was, a, it was not just a national tradition. This was a family tradition that the family would travel down to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover. And it says here that they took Jesus with them. I don't know if this was the first time he went down or whether it was the 12th time he went to celebrate Passover. And it gives us an account that Jesus was 12 years of age, a very significant age in the, in the Jewish culture. Is a, a boy turns, you know, goes from boyhood to manhood at the end of the 12th year as he enters into his 13th year, a significant time in the life of Jesus. The title of my message, if you want a title today, is this, it's in the turning. It's in the turning that we can pursue and follow wholly after God. And so they go down to celebrate the Passover. The Passover, if you're not aware of what, that, what this is, is that the Israelites had been in a place of bondage and captivity, slavery, under the Egyptian hand for a period of 400 years, a long time. And God came to bring deliverance to the nation. And there was an appointed day, an appointed night, that uh, every household had to take a lamb and, and slay that lamb and take the blood from the, from the animal and apply the blood to the doorposts and the lentils of their house. And when the angel of death came uh, that night, as the, as the angel saw the blood that was applied to door frames of the house, is that the angel of death passed over that house. There was no destruction to that household, but if there was no blood applied uh, to the doorways of the house, then that household would suffer death and destruction. And so it was an incredible day of deliverance, and then the custom is now is that every one of a, of a Jewish faith would travel to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover. And so Mary and Joseph, and Joseph and maybe the other children as well, went down to Passover to celebrate my first thought around this passage of scripture is this, is who you have with you is more important than where you are going. Who you have with you is more important than where you are going. Have you ever been on a road trip with your friends? It's always great. You're always going to a certain destination, but the greatest memories are not necessarily the destination, but it's in the journey, the things that happen to, to us. So who we have with us is more important than where we are going. And I don't necessarily think that Mary and Joseph were fully aware who they were taking with them to the Passover. 
is the, this, this like spins me out, theology even wise. Like, here, Mary and Joseph, they are taking with them the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. Is that Jesus, who they're carrying with them to celebrate the Passover, is going to lay down his life to bring salvation and redemption, not just to one people group, but to the whole entire world, to every person that would come. Is that they were carrying the Redeemer to celebrate redemption. See, redemption is not in where we are going. Redemption is in who we carry with us. Is that they're carrying the miracle worker to celebrate the miracle of deliverance hundreds or thousands of years earlier. Is that they are bringing the deliverer to celebrate their day of deliverance all that time ago. Are you getting the picture here? Is who we have with us is more important than where we are going. They are bringing the healer to their place of healing. They are bringing salvation to their day of salvation thousands of years ago. They are bringing the Lamb of God to celebrate the historical Lamb laying down its life. And I don't think that Mary and Joseph grasp the reality that who they have with them is more important than where you and I are actually going, but so much of our focus and attention is given to where we are going and not who we have with us. As the beginning of the year may have ticked over as we all have dreams and goals and aspirations and plans for the year ahead of what we're going to pursue. The things that we see are going to come to us and we're going to come to those things. And, and they're all valuable. And I, I'm not putting them down at all, but who we have with us is so much more important than where we're actually heading and going in 2022. <laughs> who you have with you is so much more valuable than where you are actually going. For you and I to lose who we have going after what we want, <laughs> it's a futile exercise. For sacrificing who we have, for the things that we actually want, that's not the way God designed it. Jesus said words like this, what does it profit you and I to gain the whole world and to lose our soul? Well, what does it profit us to, to go after more, to run the business, to have the bigger house, and we need all of those things to have more finances, but actually lose the one that we are actually carrying inside of us, the deposit of God. Our next thought, would you and I take inventory of who and what we are responsible for? Yeah. Is that you and I, as born-again believers, I pray that we are connected to the vine. Every moment of every day, we are just branches that are connected to the vine. Is that who we have with us is so more important than where we're actually going. Because who we have with us enables us to actually get to where God wants us to be. <laughs> when we take stock this year of what is it God has entrusted to you and I. Who are you carrying? That We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Wow. The very presence of God is not exterior to us, it's interior. We, we carry, who you have with you is so more important than where you're going. Uh, what, what is it that God has entrusted to you? The gifts, the talents, the abilities. He says, hey, would you go into all the world? Would you make disciples? Would you shine so brightly as a light of the world? Would you add flavoring as a salt of the earth? I wonder what it is that God has entrusted into you. Is that you and I, we, we are not empty vessels. I love what it says in 2 Peter 1.3. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things, 
all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue is that you, you are not an empty vessel. It's that God has given to each and every one of us all things that pertain to life and godliness. At, at that point of salvation, the seed of Christ was deposited, planted inside of each and every one of us. And if we provide the right conditions, and the right conditions is out of relationship with God, is it will grow. So often I've looked at different things in my life and even in my formative years, and I said, you know what? I undervalue what God's placed inside of me. I say, it's not even come to a place of maturity yet. It's just in the incubation stage of life. And I I pray you'd never despise the day of small beginnings. You'd never despise the beginning seed that God has placed inside of you, that he has given us all things. You are not void, you are not empty, you are not lacking. All things pertain to life and godliness. Don't don't despise it. Would you nurture what God has placed inside of you? And I see here that he's only 12. He he hasn't come to his, the fullness of what God has asked him to do. He's still just a seed. He's still in the incubation phase of life. Uh, Imagine neglecting him at that age. I wonder what it is that God has placed in your life that you look and think, it's just 12. It's only 12. It's insignificant. You remember when you were 12? You remember? I, I remember. I remember my 12, when I was 12 years of age. I was the shortest in my class. You too, Sarah. <laughs> I just grew up a little bit more. <laughs> I was the shortest in my class. Only Barbara Conway was shorter. Barbara, like... I remember it. I remember 12 years. I remember getting the trouble. I remember doing certain things with my mates and look back on that and it was such an immature time. It was, I was not fully formed. Now at 57, I'm still not fully formed, but I don't know what happened. But would you value what God has placed inside of you? Would you protect it? Would you nurture it? Don't compare it. Don't despise it. Don't belittle it. Would you say, God, you've given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Would you grow this seed inside of me? Would you grow that gifting inside of me? Would you allow the right conditions around about your life that God would, can't but do anything but increase the spirit of God around about you is that whatever God plants inside of you will grow. It's designed to grow. It's destined to grow. God could have, fully, could have created a fully growing Jesus. We decide to, to come as a form of a baby And we get these incredible passages that he increased in so many different areas of his life. But he could have made a fully grown man like he did at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. That he takes the dust of the ground, he fashions and forms mankind, he breathes the breath of life in him and he becomes a living being. God could have done that with Jesus. Could have been so easy for him. But no, no, he says, you know what? Just as I'm allowing Jesus to increase, the Son of God to increase, so can you and I increase. I could have had him fully grown up, but no, would you value, would you nurture the seed that I've placed inside of your life? Would you take an inventory of what God has given you, what he has entrusted in your life? Verse 43 of that passage, and when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their friends and their relatives. So they've celebrated Passover, they're now on the journey back home, and they lose Jesus. 
As a parent, have you ever lost one of your children? You irresponsible parent. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been there as well. It's terrifying. Has anyone ever been lost by their parents and you still have the scars of that? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're so, we are so sorry. Your parents may not have said so, but I say sorry. Can you imagine? You imagine losing the Son of God. How on earth do you lose the Son of God? And here, it's not even they lost the Son of God, they they were a whole day's journey, not even knowing that He is with them. How can you lose Jesus and not even know that He's not with you? They they couldn't even put in a missing person's report to the place because they didn't even know He was missing. But I think the same thing happens in our lives so easily is that we can lose Jesus and not even know that we've lost him. We still go about our religious form and religious duties and assuming that Jesus is with us, but every step we are taking, we are actually moving further away from his presence and his person. How quickly can we actually lose Jesus? I found at different times in my life, I've lost him so quickly and I didn't even realize it. The form still was there. Mike was still turning up every Sunday, but... The depth of relationship, oh my gosh, it was lacking. Well, we, we could be very judgmental for these parents. You've lost the Son of God. Like, how did you do that? But I found we so easily can do exactly the same. We've become so busy with other things. Lost that value. We've lost the importance of seeking Him. We've lost the ability of pursuing with everything thing in our hearts. When was the last time you fell to your knees and just gave thanks to God? When was the last time in worship you just raised your hands and just tears flowed down your cheeks and you just experienced the great love of God? I, I found it so easy to lose him. But he's also so easily found. How do you lose the son of God? My next thought in this passage is this. On our journey through life, we're either traveling towards Jesus or away from Jesus. Is that every step we take are already always taking us in step with Jesus and into the presence of Jesus, or every step we are taking, we're moving in a totally different direction to the presence and the power of God. And here, Mary and Joseph pack their bags and they start walking away from the presence of God, and they did not even know it. I found our drifting from God is not nearly just one moment. One decision in time where you say, I'm no longer following him. One occurrence in life, I find that our drifting away from Jesus is a successive series of steps. It's a drifting after a drifting after a drifting, and we get to a place where, oh, he's no longer even with me. How easy is it for us to lose him? But this morning, I'm encouraged, would you pursue him with everything? Would you seek first the kingdom of God it goes on in verse 45 it says so when they did not find him they returned to Jerusalem seeking him my thought out of this passage is this we must turn in order to seek and we must seek in order to find and so they did not find him they returned to Jerusalem seeking him we must turn in order to seek we must seek in order to locate to find him is there comes a time where we all must turn. It's in the turning 
that we find a new dimension of who he is. It's in the turning that we find relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in the turning. And this morning, I, I pray that you would have, you've already experienced a turning, but maybe there's an additional turning that needs to take place that you start walking back in the presence of God. You walk in time with the steps that Jesus would have for you. You, you would allow the steps of a, good, of a good person to be ordered by God. You would allow God control over your footsteps because it's not where you're going, it's in who you're carrying with you, and you'll get to the destination that God has for each and every one of us. So in the turning, you can seek him. In the seeking of him, you will always find him. Seeking you shall find, knock, the door will be open. It's, it's in our pursuit of him that Jesus is so easily found. He, he must be pursued, but he can always be found. I love it. how easy do we say, I... I found Jesus at 15 years of age. I found Jesus. No, no, no. I didn't find him. He found me. Because I was lost. And he has always been found. I wonder what areas of our life we just need to turn and walk back boldly into his presence. You walk back boldly into the throne room of grace where you find grace and favor and mercy in time of need. Like, they don't walk back with tens of stairs, walk back like the prodigal son. When he saw his dad, his dad saw him a long way off, ran down to embrace him. God's a great love to embrace you. But you turn and seek. I love Revelation 1, verse 12. John, the apostle John, he's been in prison by himself. He's isolated. He's like 90 years of age. And he has this vision. It says this in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. I, I turned to see the voice. It's in our turning that we see a new facet, new dimension of who he is. It's, it's in our turning. I, I saw the Lord. And not only did he see him, but he also heard him. And then he gets this incredible vision of the resurrected Christ, of who he actually is. It, it's in our turning that we can seek him, and it's in our seeking that we can actually locate and find him. I, I just don't want to find Jesus. I, I want to find a new dimension of who he is. I, I want my life not, not just to find him, but I want my life to be transformed by finding him. And so it's not a matter of just finding him and seeking him. No, no, it, it's, it's about getting to know him. It, it's about immersing ourselves in the word of God that our eyes are actually transformed by him. Verse 46, and says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Wow, 12 years of age. <laughs> Don't despise what God wants to grow inside of you. He's dumbfounding the learned scholars of the day, 12 years of age. I wonder what it is that God has placed inside of you that's not fully developed that can change lives around about you. Don't wait till it's fully developed. Use what God has given you. And so there he is asking questions. They're amazed. I love how they find him. They go searching. They find him in the temple. Luke just illustrates it so perfectly and brilliantly is that Jesus is not the one that's lost. It's Mary and Joseph that have misplaced him. They've lost him. Is that Jesus is always going to be in the, found the place where they had lost him. They looked everywhere for him. Are you looking for Jesus in the right places? They go back finally after four days to the place where they left him, the temple. They find him. 
But would you go back to the place where you left him? What was that? What was that moment? Where was that place? Where was that place of devotion? Would you go back and find him at that place? Verse 47. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, son, why have you done this to us? Son, well, why? Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Son, why have you done this to us? They've been frantic in their search. They've been anxiously searching for him. Son, son why have you done this to us? How often do we blame our wanderings on God? Hmm. Saying, son, this is all your fault. Why, why have you done this? Jesus is in the place where he left him. He's remained in that place as the humanity has taken steps away from him. Why have you done this to us? He, they're blaming their wanderings on God. And, and my wanderings are my responsibility. They're not God's responsibility. He is always immovable. He is always constant. He is always accessible. He is always available to us. We have this tendency to blame God for our negligence. I know there's been times where I blame God for my things my family was going through, where my kids were located. I start blaming God, and he said, no, no, that was your negligence as dad. I can blame God for my financial state at different times, and like, no, no, it's, it was your negligence, Mike. It wasn't my negligence. So often we can blame our wanderings. It's all your fault, God, because you didn't come through when I needed you to come through. You didn't answer that prayer. Well, why do bad things happen to really good people? And I know it's not always our wanderings and our negligence. That there is an enemy. There is a force against us. There is a, there is a devil. There is demon forces that come against us. But there's times where we've got to take responsibility for our responsibility. And then there's times to war in the realm of the spirit. Because he comes to bring death and destruction over our lives. He is a mighty foe. But he is a defeated foe. Would you pursue God with everything? When, every, when heaven, when hell's roaring against you, would you pursue heaven like never before? Who you have with you is more important than where you are actually going and located. In, a, in our greatest drama, he is always calm. When we are anxious, he is the Prince of Peace. When our feet are on shifting sands, he is the immovable rock. When we are hopeless, he is always full of hope. When we are empty, he is always full. When we are lost, he is always found. We can exchange our drama for his peace, his calm, our insecurities for his firm foundation, our hopelessness for his hope, our emptiness for his fullness, our lostness for his foundness. Would, would you allow the great exchange to come today as you pursue God? Would you value who you got with you today? Verse 49, and Jesus said to his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He says, did you not know I must be about my father's business? This is the first recorded words of Jesus. First recorded words, 12 years of age. And this whole passage is not about a disobedient child 
This whole passage is not about the irresponsibility of two parents. This whole passage, this whole account is about a shifting in obedience. Is it Mary saying, my father and I have been looking for you everywhere. Jesus says, well, didn't you know I just must be about my father's business? There's a shifting, there's a transitioning of obedience right here. Because his natural dad's standing right in front of him and says, you know what, I must be about my father's business. You imagine Joseph, imagine that pain even. Like, oh, there's a shifting of authority, there's a shifting of obedience. But Jesus knew the will of God for his life. And for you and I to pursue God with everything, there must be a shifting in our obedience. Not just a shifting from a relational level to a spiritual level. Not to discount the, the authorities that are over us, but to shift our, our, our obedience to whatever God asks me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And mum and dad, you may not understand it, but I'm going to obey God. But so often our, our obedience is based on, it's what I call an outcome-based obedience. It's probably the lowest form of obedience. I see it in my grandkids every day. I see it in my own kids as they were growing is that we make decisions, we're obedient based upon a positive outcome. If the outcome's going to be positive, we have a tendency to, be, to obey that. Uh, if my, my daughter says to my grandkids that there is punishment for an action they're looking to do, is not, you can see the brain clicking over, like, okay, the, the reward for this may not look good. May create, create pain in my body for a little bit of time, maybe separation into that, whatever the naughty corner is. Uh, but they do this calculation. If it's a positive outcome, well, then I might just obey. And so often that's our way of doing obedience. But here I pray that in this year there'd be a shifting from an outcome-based obedience. I'm only going to obey because it's going to be a good outcome for me to being fully obeying the Word of God, to be rooted in the Word of God, to be planted in the truth of the Word of God that is immovable, that's unshakable, that is fully truthful. There's times where I've opened up this word and I've said, God, that, that's not right. And God straight, says straight back to me, well, you're wrong. <laughs> well, whenever you and I disagree with the word of God, we're wrong. We cannot ever come to a place of disagreement. We can come from a place of not understanding. And that's a time to dive in deeper. Holy Spirit, illuminate this verse to me. Help me. What do I need to be shaped and with thoughts and my thinking of life? But it's never wrong. Would you and I ground ourselves in the Word of God? Would we be obedient to the things of God as you pursue God? Don't let your obedience based upon a, a positive reward, a positive outcome, but no, let it be based upon I'm standing on the truth of the Word of God. Even if it's painful, even if it hurts others around about me. And none of us want to hurt anything, but I refuse. I refuse to let the opinions of others, the feelings of others dictate to me more than the Word of God. As we pursue God, hold on to truth. Hold on to a place of obedience. Would you allow your obedience to be rooted, rooted and grounded in the Word of God? I found that obedience is our reward to God. It's our reward to God. I don't think there's many rewards we can give God. There's praise, there's sacrifice, there's generosity, there's those things, but when you and I stand in that place of obedience, wow. God says, I can't but bless that. As Jason said, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's our reward back to God.
So Jesus says, I must be about the Father's business. I wonder what the Father's business looks like for you this year. What is he asking of you for the work of your hands? The words that are going to come out of your mouth, the steps your feet are going to take. I pray that everything we do this year would be about our Father's business. And then it goes on that Jesus travels back with his family. He's subject to them. I love that. He places his life in their care. They nurture him. We come across this incredible verse, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Favor with God, favor with man. I'd love you to stand for this moment. So I want to prophesy over your life that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. And favor with God and favor with man. Well, why? Why those things? You're saying, hey, God, would you give me wisdom to rightly navigate the things you've entrusted to me? That's my family gifts and talents. God, I need your wisdom. Every day as we walk out our door, God, would you give us wisdom to navigate the day? Then it goes on. Jesus increased in stature. He's not talking about natural height, but he's talking about character. Uh, I wonder what those areas of your life that you've even asked God this year, hey God, I want to see a change in this area of my life. He increased in character, stature. Increase with favor with God, favor with God. There's nothing like it to experience His grace on a daily basis. The favor is preferential treatment, supernatural advantage. To know that you're carrying the favor of God every day, and as you go about your day, that you have the favor of men. This promotion will come, increase will come, purely because people recognize that you've been with Jesus. I remember a, a time when I was 20 years of age. One of the toughest years of my life. I was like a shell of a human being. Things had gone down in my life. I was just empty. I was socially inept. I couldn't talk to people. Such a nervous, anxious person. I remember that year, my wife now, Nadine, we were going out and she just dropped me. She, she said, I just cannot do this. Like, you just do not talk. You do not communicate. You, you, have no, you have no social skills. You have no empathy. You have, you're just empty. I remember at 20 years of age making a decision that for the next year I was going to spend the whole year devoted to, to me, to building me, to changing me. And I remember writing this passage down, a sheet of paper, and I put it on a mirror. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with me. I don't know how many times I quoted that over my life that year, and I don't know how many times since because it's, it's really my verse. And I put myself through so many different things. I went to Toastmasters for public speaking. I put myself in uncomfortable positions. I dived into the Word of God. I read every book on manhood that I could. I dived into the Word of God, and I said this verse over and over and over again because I needed to change. And not just a human change, I needed the God change inside of me. I needed to see my worth, my value. I needed to treasure what God had placed inside of me. The end of that year, I went to my brother's birthday party. We were having a bush dance. The dean just happened to be invited there. We haven't spoken for a year. And the bush dance, you know how you do that? You know, one of those dances where you just change partners and finally it was our turn to be like really uncomfortable moment over there. We got to talking in that moment. She said these words, you're so different, you're so different, you're so changed. Next day we went on a date, we're now married, been married so many years, long time. But the greatest thing, 
out of that is that God transformed me. God brought increase. Because I realized he planted a seed inside of me. And if we allow the right conditions in our life, it can't but grow. Because that's the nature of God. Prophesied over us, commanded over us, be fruitful and multiply. And this morning, I am prophesying increase over your life. And not just for increase sake, that you would increase that the world around about us could be shaped, changed and shaped. And you increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with each other. That you would increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. That in this year of pursuing him, you would experience the fullness of who he is because he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Heavenly Father, I thank you to seal the promise in our hearts today. God, where we need to turn, that we would turn. Where we need to run, we would run. Where we need to be obedient, we'd be obedient. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you, you don't know Jesus. You don't know that relationship with Jesus. You, you've never been able to lose Jesus because you've never found him. And this morning, I'd love to pray with you if you're like that today. It's the greatest decision you and I could ever, ever make to experience the fullness of God, the fullness of His love, the fullness of His forgiveness today. Or maybe in a season where you've lost Him, you identify where you're situated right now and you've lost Him and you haven't even realized that the presence of God is no longer with you. And today it's in the turning, it's turning back, it's a softening of your heart, it's a repenting, it's a seeking Him. And as you seek Him, He's so easily found. And this morning, I'd love to pray with you if you're any of those categories for the very first time making a decision or you just know it's day to turn, come back to it. So today, I'd love to pray with you. If you're like that, I just appreciate you shooting up your hand right now saying, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? I need to find Jesus. So I need to turn back. I need to locate him again. Is there anyone this morning would love to be included in this prayer? Because I'd love to pray for you. It's in the turning. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you here. We're here in your presence. God, you've transformed and you've changed our lives that we can fully declare that you are our Savior. And God, this morning, as we journey with you throughout this year, I speak increase. I declare it over your life. And it's not the power of my words, but it's the power of your words. It's the power of your promise today. And so we put our trust and our confidence in the name that's above every other name. And Father, everything we have inside of us, we're going to run hard after you this year because we're going to seek first the kingdom of God, your righteousness, and see what you do in our lives. We give you thanks in your wonderful, wonderful name. We all said amen and amen. Thank you so much for being in church. Thank you so much for being online with us. Encourage you to stay around for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. We're going to go out singing and rejoicing. God bless.